Welcome to episode 152 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. I've been thinking about deadlines lately and, and how helpful they can be. When I was working on The Commandment, I, as you, as, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you may have heard me mention that I worked on it for about eight years. And if I had not set myself a deadline for for actually performing it, I probably I, I know I, ne- I would still be working on it today. You know, that's that's not I mean, it's great to keep to work on things until they're right. But it's also it's not helpful to never present something and never perform it. There's, I think, a certain point where good enough is good enough. And, and it, I, eventually I got to the point where I felt like it was good enough. And the only way to do that, to get to that point, was to set a deadline. And as I've been thinking about uh, my own stagnation in terms, of, in terms of writing since I came back from, from fringing this year because I'd stopped for so long, I've been trying a, f- a few tricks to try to ke- get myself writing. I've opened up some old drafts of things that I have left unfinished. And I've been editing those. You know, they were first drafts, and so they need some polish. But time to time to, to to get to work on those. And and so what I'm doing is I'm I'm going to be having some people read those because I always find it helpful to have people sit down with me and, and read them out loud so that I can hear how they sound and maybe find spots that that, that don't work. Uh, so I'm doing that with uh, with one of my one of my pieces that that I've been been working on. Um, and all of this geared to to sort of break myself out of the non-writing rut that I've been that I've been struggling with. Also, I've decided I'm going to do NaNoWriMo because um, why not? Uh, I am not really a novel writer. I sort of I've always felt like I wanted to write a novel, but um, I keep having ideas for plays and things that work best as plays. So I've I've been, I primarily find myself writing plays, but I like to to stretch and do something different. And I'm kind of hoping that that trying to do this to write a novel in in a month, well, that it will kickstart uh, the creativity and keep that writing muscle going for me. Um, if you're one of those crazy people who've decided that you want to try NaNoWriMo, maybe it's your first time. I've I've signed up to do it a bunch of times, and once I actually started writing, but I, never, I have never quote unquote won. But if you're thinking about doing it or you 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 are doing it. Um, you can find me. Uh, you can join me on on Nano the NanoRima website. I'm Phil Rickaby on there, so you can probably find me easily. Um, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, if you want to tell me about something that you're writing about, remember you can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod. You can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guests are Andrew Gantz and Jordi O'Dale of Aberrant Theatre, who present the Ghostlight Anthology at The Box in Toronto, starting October 18th. You guys are working. The project is Ghostlight. Yeah, the Ghostlight anthology. Okay, mm-hmm. tell me, tell me about that. Oh, after you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like about how it started, about where the idea came well, from. Well, let's start with let's start with um, describe 
what it is. What's the elevator pitch for uh, the Ghostlight Anthology? The Ghostlight Anthology is a collection of five short horror plays. Um, it is a live horror experience. Okay. Altogether. Hmm. And so, where did where did where did that come from? Where did it start? So it came from the sort of need to create um, live horror experiences that are narrative driven, mm. um, because traditional theater tends to pull its punches mm-hmm. in terms of of creating this the the same experience that you would get from like a, a really well uh, crafted horror movie. Um, and like Halloween haunt style, um, attractions, uh, tend to be devoid of, of a narrative storytelling element. Mm -hmm. It's, it's more about how many people can jump out at you and yeah. yeah, And not necessarily, um, examining what is so cathartic about fear. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I, a number of years ago, I was sort of thinking about of all of the genres that, theater tends not to explore mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. horror is 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 one of the main ones that we don't tend to touch yeah mm-hmm. um, it's starting to come back a little bit it is less so around here though no mm-hmm. it's true um and it, i think i think it, it it may hinge a little bit on the fact that um we're so used to horror in movies mm-hmm. and in movies you could do a jump cut and you could do like mm-hmm. camera tricks and stuff which means that horror in theater becomes a little bit more of a challenge yeah um do you uh, what do you see as like how if that is the case how does horror work on stage horror in a live experience and on stage i think largely depends on the atmosphere you create. Hmm. Um, There has to be a a contract between what you're doing and the audience, uh, a level of handing over that suspension of disbelief Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to exist in this world where maybe the things that you're seeing and the horror that you're seeing isn't as satisfying as what you can see in high definition mm. at Cineplex, um, which I, I think relates to sort of, uh, at least my, I don't want to speak for, for Andrew, but generally with what we've talked about, our ethos towards theater in general, mm-hmm. in the sense that you can't create theater that aims to replicate naturalistic mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. that happen on screen. Because why would anybody... <sighs> pay money Mm -hmm. to leave their house and sit in rooms with like a bunch of strangers for an experience that they can get for $7 a month on the comfort of their own house. Yeah, exactly. Yes. 100%. This is like the third time I've had the conversation this week about like how to like, which is the question, how does indie theater get bums out get people out of their house away from Netflix and Mm -hmm. into the theater? And it Mm -hmm. has to be experienced. Yeah. 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 Uh, And so as as that to make horror, you know, sort of work on stage is, uh, it's a lot of like faith and trust Mm -hmm. in, in your audience that your audience is there because they want to be and because they want to feel something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's people, people inherently want to come and feel something, whether it's joy, whether it's, Mm -hmm. uh, shock, whether it's fear. Yeah. Um, and for us, it's our job 
to facilitate mm-hmm. that, to mm. let it happen. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think about this uh, a lot in terms of things like Cirque du Soleil or, oh. or these or magic acts or things like that. Uh, they don't necessarily struggle to draw people in and, and come see things. Mm-hmm. Why is that? And it's because that element of, of seeing it live. Yeah. You can film Cirque du Soleil, but you can't replicate the feeling of being there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's... It... Yeah. Because we think, we think... I mean, a lot of people think about theater as... Kind of boring. Yeah. Um, we don't think about it as dynamic. We don't yeah. think a lot of people don't think about it um, as exciting because mm-hmm. you know a lot of times we walk into a theater mm-hmm. and on that stage is a couch mm-hmm. and an armchair, mm-hmm. yeah, and a, a coffee table, mm-hmm. and we can see that at home, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so is it is it is this the first like the is it the first time the anthology is put together or is this yes. yeah? yeah okay yeah this yeah. is the first time we're we're putting it together in a in a you know big actual mm-hmm. production for sure mm-hmm. and uh, what what made you decide to 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 do it this year honestly I have been trying to do it for a couple years and okay. it's just never quite been the right time like last year around Halloween there was another horror project mm-hmm. that was starting to go up so we're like well let's maybe wait till another year mm. um and then this year it just sort of seemed stars aligned mm. you know it's just we can't wait anymore yeah. 2017 was the highest grossing year for horror films in history mm. so it's just ah. uh, on a crass sort of market share perspective like yeah. strike while the iron's hot yeah you absolutely know? What, what kind of what do you remember what the show that that was playing the last time that you were thinking about it? Was it uh, <laughs> what was it? The, it didn't actually happen. Oh, okay. Um, that's unfortunate. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Maybe that's... We can chat off the record on yeah, that yeah. No, um... <clears throat> I don't want to, I don't want to, like, get anybody, like, in, in, in uncomfortable positions here. No. Um, <laughs> uh, because I've seen a couple of, of, of shows... Um, do you know Eldritch Theater? Yeah, yeah. Like the stuff that he does is so is incredible. Cool. So and, cool. Um, and sometimes he does. Sometimes it's horror. Mm-hmm. This year it's sci-fi, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's horror. Right. And it's it's like it's really effective horror, which mm-hmm. is, totally gives the lie to the whole like oh, but horror doesn't work on stage. Mm-hmm. But there used to be a time when we when horror was pretty common on stage, mm-hmm. like in France. The the the. I'm going to get the name wrong, but the, I never know how to yeah, say yeah, it out loud like, either. But, yeah, but mm-hmm. you know, there, there was grand, a whole tradition: the Grand Guignol, Guignol, the Guignol, whatever. Yeah, something. Like yeah. That. We're going to. Somebody is right now shouting. It's pronounced. Yep. <laughs> but okay, you're not here. Um, <laughs> but there was a whole tradition, and in fact, the original play of Dracula was at its time horrific. People yeah. fainted watching that show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yet, we somehow lost that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that you know, Mackers was intended as like you know the thrilling Halloween hit of the year. Sure, you sure, know, yeah, and there's this, those kinds of things. Like half of what Shakespeare wrote is like a horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven yeah. siblings did the horror version of uh, Titus. Of Titus, yeah. and it was well, like, well, of course, Titus Andronicus is a is a horror play. Absolutely, that's like, like the closest to a slasher. Yeah, totally, it is. You know? It is. Yeah. It's a Shakespearean slasher flick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Andrew, you've been, and I only know this because of because of your your show at the at the Fringe was uh, you've been fascinated by horror for a long time. Oh, absolutely! Have you both been fascinated by horror, or did you come to it later? Uh, as a child, I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because I was already, uh, like the most neurotic, terrified mm, child, okay. um, uh, who had like night terrors and all these kinds of things. So it was always kind of like, my mom let me watch a lot of things that were inappropriate for mm-hmm. me as a child. She kind of steered me away from, from horror movies. Uh, and so then as a teenager, it was just an obsession mm. and, and it was dragging all of my friends to the movie gallery mm-hmm. and whatever we could get our hands on and, and watch those kinds of things. Um, and my experience, I think, differs from Andrew's experience where he was like, ooh, monsters, I'm not scared. Like, blah, blah, blah. I had nightmares mm. about nearly every horror movie that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't necessarily fade away for me until, you know, like I was... 21 and there's still horror movies nowadays that i'm like that I, i've I, you know we'll see in the theaters and i'll have a, i'll have trouble yeah. for a couple of days mm-hmm. after it um but i i love it um in a piecemeal kind of way mm-hmm. there are images that horror directors and horror creators make that are more evocative than anything you can see in any other genre. Mm -hmm. And I feel this way about sci-fi often too in fantasy is that I think when you abstract it a little bit, you have these images that it, you really do feel something Mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it's, when it's uh, at its best, it's, it's better than any like Oscar Beatty Mm -hmm. thing you could see. Yeah. But Andrew, you you enjoyed like you were a horror connoisseur from a very young age, for sure. Um, I I grew up watching the like Universal monster movies in the same rotation as mm-hmm. Disney movies, like they were in the same VHS shelf at yeah. home. Um, I was obsessed with Dracula. My um, imaginary friend growing up was the Invisible Man, mm-hmm. not just like an Invisible Man, no, but, but like the, yeah. bandages yep. and everything. Um, it, it's just <laughs> always been kind of an obsession. I don't know where it came from necessarily but it's just i think it's the imagination of it you know Mm -hmm. it's it's -hmm. something that could exist in our reality but probably doesn't but we don't really know what's in those shadows it's Mm -hmm. it's do you remember what the first horror do you recall what the first horror you saw was definitely dracula oh for sure yeah bella lugosi Lugosi, dracula in 1931 did that did you find that scary not at all no i found found it fascinating yeah i loved it it's funny because it, it's one of those things that I think now we don't see it as as frightening, mm-hmm. right? Much like much like I watched Halloween for the first time like uh, uh, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it um, mm-hmm. ever before, and I was like, "Oh, this is like I've seen all of this, but I've seen all of this post Halloween because yeah. of Halloween. because of yeah. Halloween. exactly." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, oh, "Okay, so this is where all of that came from." Yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes movies don't age that well. Mm-hmm. Not especially, no. I mean, Halloween created all those tropes. Oh, of course, it's yeah. so important. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. which is why I'm really excited about the new one because mm-hmm. it seems like they are going back to the drawing boards. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really cool to see how they reimagine and reinvent some of those tropes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Know, yeah, yeah. However yeah. many years mm-hmm. later, whatever, yeah. forty years later, something like that. Mm-hmm. I was terrified of horror movies, mm-hmm. much like you were, Jordan. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, it wasn't just horror movies. Like mm-hmm. Halloween was the worst time of year for me. Because, oh, really? <laughs> because, like, I was scared of skeletons. Oh, no. Okay. Like, <laughs> like it, I don't remember where it started, but I do remember watching, I don't remember what show it was, and there was, like, some kind of dance number, and it was all these people in, 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 in skeleton costumes dancing, and I 
nightmares for ages. Mm-hmm. So for me, Halloween was was kind of terrible because everybody had skeletons up. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, huh. And so I just mostly st- stayed away from 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 horror movies in general. Yeah. It's as I've gotten older that I find that I am more interested in horror movies, but certain kind of horror movies. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I like the horror movies that leave something to the imagination. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and those ones and those ones tend to be uh, better crafted mm-hmm. in general. Uh, when you can't show everything you want to show, yeah. you're you're forced to be more creative about about how you how yeah. you do it. Mm-hmm. Um uh and also because the fear isn't when you see the monster no. like you know warts and all no, it's no, no. it's it's what's behind the door it's that feeling of dread yeah. i think of you know like blair witch project mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. or paranormal activity these things that sort of like reinvented the wheel for yeah. uh for horror nowadays and a lot of that is like this sort of concept of found footage but the other part of it is that they they couldn't show you anything yeah and they relied entirely on your ability to mm-hmm. psych yourself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And humans are unbearably good at doing that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we're so attuned to mm-hmm. see, sensing the pattern and, and seeing something wrong that all you have to do is like wave your hands suddenly and you will, you know, like unsettle five people at once. Yeah. Yeah. We're incredibly, and in, in the theater, sound is so important. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, we, there are things that we can't do in theater. We can't do close-ups and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've been involved with productions, uh, one of, uh, of Mackers, for, in fact, where mm-hmm. the snapping of balsa wood mm-hmm. was super effective mm-hmm. in making an entire audience just mm-hmm. lose their shit. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me, what, what, what are the shows that, that, that are in the Ghostlight Project this year? So, uh, as I said, there's five shows. The first piece is uh, called Fortune's Fool by Jared Michael Delaney. Um, it is... Should I describe the... I don't really want to give up the... Don't give up too much. Yeah, no spoilers. Can you, is there anything... Is there like a tease that you can give yeah. about what it's about? So, Fortune's Fool is uh, what happens when you're at a carnival mm. and... Uh, <laughs> And you know, for some people, that's all you have yeah. to say. Yeah. Because a carnival, yeah, somehow carnival. in our psyches, and I'm not quite sure why this is, mm-hmm. a carnival can be a terrifying place. Yeah. Although I want to be clear, there are no clowns in Ghost <laughs> Light Anthology. Um, just because I know a lot of people are like, clowns are my line in the sand. I can't do clowns. No. I, there's... What is, it's, it's, that's kind of like, to me, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who are like, I can't do clowns. And, mm-hmm. and yet, most clowns are not. What yeah. they're yeah. thinking. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess there's this sort of like uncanny valley of, of of like clowns themselves. I also think for, you know, the generation we are, um, you know, sort of cutting your teeth on the on on the Tim Curry. Yeah, I was about to say it. Tim Curry Tim Curry and it sort of ruined yeah. clowns for an entire generation. Yeah. Yeah, and and now with the remakes they're ruined clowns yeah, no, for like, the next one. Yeah, we gotta yeah. Like, you know, maybe maybe we should stop doing yeah, that. Yeah, with that <laughs> like Ryan Murphy, like clowns are just you know, you yeah. can't really do them that the way. Yeah. And also because like I <clears throat> this is gonna get like weirdly political or whatever, but like so much of like uh, <laughs> so much of like uh like clowns and, and the sort of stereotypical clown mm-hmm. 
uh, what that we look at is based off of like very sort of like racist mm-hmm. pastiches mm-hmm. and things like that that is designed to make you inherently uncomfortable yes, yeah. like to laugh at or to you know it's it's like oh that is other yeah. than than who I am and Which it's very is, much the, the circus clown yeah uh, yeah. Uh, yeah because there's the European clown which is not yeah like that. Yeah, nobody, nobody like is like you trained at Lecoq. Ah, no, no, it's know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> but of course, if you say that I studied clown at Lecoq, everybody's suddenly people are like, oh no, oh no, clown, clown. Yeah. no clown, you know? how yeah. dare you? Uh, so there are no clowns in uh, Fortune's Rule. There's no, there's no clowns in the Ghostlight Anthology yes. at all. Okay, excellent. Great. So if you were worried, no clowns. Yes, don't come, don't not come see the show because you're yes. worried about clowns. There's no clowns. Uh, yeah, uh, and then the the next piece is uh, titled Swallow. It's mm-hmm. by uh, Katerina Watson, um, which is a beautiful piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of more grounded in real world uh, about, about you know, the horror of being a person attached to somebody powerful who is abusive. Mm. Um, mm. It's, I think, the most timely of all of the pieces we have. Mm, it's sure. very sort of mired in uh, the cultural canon of, of the Me Too movement mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and what's going on in, in the world and... <clears throat> A very, um, a very well crafted look mm, at okay. at the the real world horror mm. of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Shines the light on some of the the victims of those people that you don't necessarily think of mm. that aren't mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. people on your mind. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there are three more. Three more. Three more. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so after after uh, swallow, we have laps, which is. Uh, Written by Jake Martin. He's our only local Toronto. He's our only only super, uh, super local uh, friend. Um, And it's it's also brilliant. Uh, It's uh, looking at a relationship between um, two people and memory Mm. and uh, how we navigate our inner demons. Mm. Mm. That's well put. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I I I love mm-hmm. that piece. I shouldn't like. I I do love all the pieces, mm-hmm. but like swallow and laps are like very very close to my heart. Yeah. Um, laps because I was absolutely breathless reading it. Uh, mm-hmm. and I hope Jake listens to this and like gives himself a pat on the back. Because <laughs> it, you know. Um, and uh, I'm working with like these two beautiful actors. I have Michael Sutherland and um, Jacob Free playing. Um, the, uh, these two, these two people who mm. are, and it's a love story. I think mm-hmm. um, it's very tragic, but it's a love story, mm. and both of them are just so on board with that. Mm. And I think that that's so important when crafting uh, horror. The, the reason why slasher films aren't scary for most people is you don't care about these victims, no, it's true. so to speak. Yeah. They're just kind of like, oh, you know, oh, and they died, and oh, yeah, and they yeah, died. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in a slasher movie, a lot of the fun is, like, who's going to die first? What's yes. gonna, yeah, 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 how are they yeah. going to die? What's going to happen? Yeah, you know? You yeah. know? Um, whereas, like, Laps is definitely, it's about their love story mm-hmm. and their relationship mm-hmm. um, and what gets in the way of that. Mm-hmm. 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 And next? And next we have The Sum of Your Experience mm-hmm. by Trace Crawford. Trace Crawford. Trace Crawford. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh... <laughs> oh, uh, I'm... 
I want to say street vampires, um, but okay, okay. that yeah. confuses people. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a great look at sort of like depersonalization mm. uh, and losing losing what makes you you. Mm. The sort of setup is um, a thief approaches a man and asks him to put all of his stories and experiences in the bag. Hmm. He mugs like she mugs him for. Hmm. His life story. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, uh, just about who we are if we don't have our stories. Wow, well, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. yeah. And the last one is Sit Down Daisy. Do you remember who, the name of the person that wrote Sit Down Daisy? Uh, I'm forgetting. Uh, uh, McDermott. Grant McDermott? Grant McDermott, Grant thank McDermott. you. Okay. I there knew you it was with a G. Sorry, Grant. <laughs> uh, I did really well on memorizing you all did. the other ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Grant McDermott wrote Sit Down Daisy. Uh, Sit Down Daisy was the first play that I read that I got to a point and I, like, literally I had to put the computer away and I was like, no. um, and it's still the, it's still the, uh, the one that, like, when we're rehearsing it, when we're going through it, um, you know, one of the actors will say one of his lines and I'm like, oh, oh God, no, 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 no. Full body cringe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Every time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, so Don Daisy is set in a, in a coffee shop. Okay. And that's all I'm going to give. Yeah, all right then. Yeah. <laughs> all right then. Um, before I go, there's a, usually when I'm talking to people, I, we're going to talk about the your, your theater origin story. Oh, yeah. Um, but before I do that, um, I do have to say that, that, that Andrew, you're, something awful was... I never thought that I could be frightened by a guy standing on a stage telling stories. Like, I did not think that when I heard just, like, stories, and I was like, okay, so this is going to be interesting, but I don't see how it's going to be scary. No, <laughs> <laughs> it was scary. And I think, you know, I've, I've talked to you about the moment that where, like, three people, the, the two people were sitting, we all, like, covered our mouths at the same time. Like, I didn't know that that was even possible. So, amazing. Well, thank you. Um, in terms of that particular piece, um, when you were, how long did that take you to craft? <laughs> <laughs> Jordy laughs for a reason. Um, it was it was crafted in panic mode mostly. Okay, it, it didn't take very long at all. Um, I started writing it when we were accepted to the Fringe, mm-hmm. so early 2018. Okay, and the rehearsal process. God bless Vince Dulles because. Mm-hmm. Mm, a solid chunk of what was scary about that was from his direction more mm-hmm. so than anything I did as a performer or anything that mm-hmm. I did as a writer. Um, he, he made that show scary. Um, but we rehearsed for two weeks tops and very part-time at that. Mm. It was maybe like, that is the busiest man in the world. Mm. Um, and we rehearsed maybe a total of 10 hours okay. on it. Wow. If that, huh? Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was panic mode uh, okay. putting it together for sure. Mm-hmm. But although a lot of it a lot of it was sort of like solved by discussion and yes. at, like mm-hmm. in terms of like crafting the meat of the piece itself mm-hmm. a lot of it was me and Andrew walking home for like yes. 45 minutes <laughs> discussing you know uh what it is and, and like you know like deciding because like so much of it it was just like easy because you just yes. had to like phrase yeah you know what had happened exactly because um, they're all like it's all stories built out of things that actually happened yeah. right yeah yeah so. and so yeah like for like i'm thinking about the particular moment where three <laughs> people covered yes. their yeah. their mouths yeah. uh 
Andrew and I crafted that in the Lakeview. Yeah, we did. Yeah, mm, like eleven nice. at eleven at night, where it's like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> yeah. ooh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, and, and as well, like mm-hmm. Andrew crafted a lot of it, yeah. just like wandering the streets of Toronto after oh, yeah. midnight while I was uh, sleeping because I have to work in the morning. It's yeah. it's it's interesting because you know there are I've spoken to a couple of people who um, they're. A very successful thing they wrote, something that was quite good, um, was written, like, at the last minute. Um, uh, Sandra Seamus oh, yeah. wrote, my boyfriend's back and there's going to be laundry, on the plane to the Edmonton Fringe. <laughs> Amazing. So, like, this happens. Now, me, I, I, I have never been able to write quite like that. <laughs> but panic is an amazing thing mm-hmm. that, um, like, uh, deadlines are helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So, did you know what you wanted to put like before you got into the fringe did you know what what kind of story you were going to tell not at all no, no. i knew you just had a title pretty much yeah. i had a title and because for the, a couple applications you have to give them a summary so mm-hmm. i put something incredibly vague that mm-hmm. i could just work around yeah um, i thought something wrong was a cool title that was vague enough that yeah. i could mm-hmm. pretty much attach anything to mm-hmm. um I, I've known for a long time that I wanted to do a solo horror show, mm-hmm. but I didn't necessarily know what that meant yeah, 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 until yeah. I had to craft it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it. It was very late in the process that it became something that wasn't explicitly fiction. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I was dealing, yeah. like, I was trying to tell a story or play with this trope or become mm-hmm. this character or whatever, and then partway through it's just like, I've got all these stories, I might mm-hmm. as well just be me, talk about horror movies, talk mm-hmm. about why I like them, and talk about some scary things I've been through. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because the show initially was was about the roommates. Yes, it was. It, it was. You know, it was uh, like that sort of like middle roommate stuff. It, it began with centering around um, Will, I guess, is yeah. who who yeah. became yeah. Uh, like a roommate who is like obsessed with and had a very sort of almost uh, Marble Hornets feel, if mm-hmm. you know that sort of like internet age slender man like trying to piece together mm-hmm. yeah. the unreliable narrative, and then. At a certain point, it just it's like what well, becomes more compelling to be the person you are and mm. talk about the things that you've seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get into your theater origin stories. So the, the or, like, why is it that you make theater? What is it that that that, that has drawn you to it? Cool. Um, honestly, I'm going to sound like a, a broken record here, and I, I discovered this while I was working on something wrong. Like, if I go back, the reason that I like to tell stories or that I like to perform theater or that that's important to me comes from sitting around the campfire as a kid Mm. with my parents out camping telling ghost stories. Mm. Like if I try to trace back the first time I ever performed or I ever told a story to somebody, that's where it was. It was Mm. just telling scary stories in a campground in the middle of the night. Mm. So like that's a huge, huge part of it for me. And then it just kind of was the foregone conclusion from there just school plays into mm-hmm. you know community theater back home yeah. and children's theater back home and then into the theater school and here we are where was back home uh new brunswick, new brunswick? st john new brunswick okay yeah. Yeah. oh yeah you were you're one of the st john people that, that, yeah yeah i remember um and what theater school did you decide to go to fanshaw college, fanshaw college. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's not one that i hear very often uh, no it's not <laughs> <laughs> okay um but what if I could just ask, what was it... So, it's one thing to be somebody who likes to tell stories. And it's one thing to do plays in high school and community theater and things like that. We all... Lots of people do that. Sure. What was it that made you decide that this was a thing that you could do? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it is a thing I can do. I don't know if I've come to that conclusion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imposter syndrome's a thing, right? Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think <laughs> I'm going to just sound like I'm real self-deprecating here, but I, I don't know what else I can do. Mm. Like, mm. it was less like, oh, I am the best at this. I am such a great actor. I'm such a great theater maker. It's like, well, no, it's the only thing I've spent any time doing for, mm. you know, all of high school. Like, yeah. I need to pick something to do for post-secondary. It's probably mm. the only thing I've ever dedicated myself to, right? Did you have a, an uncomfortable conversation with your guidance counselor? <laughs> uh, nobody at my high school was on board with no. me as a human. Oh, okay, okay. Because <laughs> I, 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 I have the experience of going to the guidance counselor and saying, like, uh, they're like, so what do you want to do? And you say, that I want to be an actor. And they give you, like, there's this long silence. They just look at you yep. like, yep. I don't know mm-hmm. what language you're speaking. Exactly. You know? My guidance yeah. counselor literally Googled theater programs oh, in no. Canada in front of me. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Jordy, what was, what was your... Yeah, you know, uh, I'm one of those, like, reprehensible people where it's hard to, like, uh, extricate the, the mm-hmm. theater from, from me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been acting since I was four years old, which is literally not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when I, when I was three, I was a big uh, Barney fan. I really loved watching Barney. And they had this thing at the end... That was like, you know, oh, the Lions Club, if you want to be on Barney, send mm-hmm. a tape to, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, and I used to beg, mm. like, just beg my mom, like, please, 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 like, let's send a video to, to, to Barney. Let's like, and of course, you know, my family was like, oh, you know, so cute. Little, little Jordy wants to meet Barney. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I, I want to perform. Like, you know, <laughs> I want to, I want to be there. And so, um, I grew up in the, in the UK. Um, and, uh, the way I, the way I sort of started is I was in dance. I, I really loved dance. And uh, so mm-hmm. I, I was in ballet, I was in tap, I was in jazz, I was just dancing all the time. Um, And then uh, there was a, like, theater school that ran on the weekends called U-Tree Theater. Um, And they did, like, a block of, like, acting, a block of dancing, Mm -hmm. a block of singing. And it was my entire Saturday and Sunday, like, the whole day. And I, like, begged. I was like, I gotta be in this, I gotta be in this, I gotta be in this. and so, like, literally, it, my entire life, it's been like, okay, I've been, I went to school and did the things that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and then I would instantly go to a dance class right. or or an acting class or yeah. or a singing class. That's all I had ever done. Mm. Um, had my first professional gig when I was seven. Um, mm. You know, I signed to an agent. Was like going to commercial castings and things like that. Mm. Um, and then when I was 12, we moved back to Canada. Mm-hmm. We moved to Flin Flon, Manitoba. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, well, there goes all of like those classes yeah. and, and things like that. It was then it was like community theater mm-hmm. and um, and like dinner theater yeah. and and what was available. So dance completely went away because there's no yeah. there's no dance classes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so when it came to like, okay, you have to go to post secondary or whatever. Mm-hmm. Literally, there was no 
question, mm-hmm. um, you know, is something that I have been doing since I was four years old. Mm-hmm. It was like, what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and beyond that, like, I think that being in this industry, you have a lot of those imposter syndromes and, and, and things like that. And there's definitely times where I'm like, what am I doing? I'm yeah. not good enough to be here or whatever. But uh, I think at the core of me, I have to know that I am brilliant at what I do. Mm. Um, I'm brilliant at theater, uh-huh. at creating it. Um, and so I went off to University of Winnipeg. Mm. I trained classically mm. with there, and it was an awful experience. It was just terrible. It really beat the hell out of me. Um, Many theater schools, uh, a lot of theater, theater schools do. Yeah. Um, and so after like a particularly bad like final presentation with like you know psychopathic professor that was was uh, teaching me, I was like, okay, um, I'm gonna go to school for graphic design mm. and you know funnel my creativity into like a different aspect. Mm. And that very same day, uh, I received a letter from. Uh, George Brown. Mm-hmm. I got a call from Randolph Academy, mm-hmm. and then like a week later, I was waitlisted for Ryerson. And it was just kind of like, hmm, these all seem to be mm, yeah. signs that mm, yes. <laughs> perhaps I should not quit and become a, uh, a graphic designer. So I ended up going to Randolph, mm-hmm. uh, and people were like, ooh, what was the choice there? And I'm like, uh, literally, Randolph's program is two years straight through. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was pretty sure at that time that I was fucking done with like regular theater. I'm like, I'll be a musical theater person. Yeah. Took about like a term and a half at Randolph to realize that no 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 I do not want to be in musical theater. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no. I mm. I graduated from that and uh, that's that's where I am. Hmm. Hmm. Um I was just talking to uh uh, uh Rosanna Saracino. Oh Rosanna yeah. I love yeah. her, I love yeah. her. Um mm. from what I can tell most of her students do. Um, yes. So yeah. Yeah. And you've worked with her on on did she was she involved with Nasty? Yep, she yeah. was the director. Um, yeah, no, Rosanna started as a as a teacher, and and uh, now I, I we're what like colleagues, co creators. Yeah. Like mm. we we you know uh, we we agree on a lot of stuff stylistically, and then uh, politically, obviously, <laughs> um, and also sort of like Rosanna was the first person like, professional in my life to look at me and be like, no, 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 you know. You know what you need to do, so just fucking do it right. kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, and and so we... That's a really powerful thing from somebody who's a teacher. Yeah. To, to have them say that. Yeah. And I, I think that's a rare thing in, in the theater school. Yeah. Because they don't usually say... Mm. They're usually like, be what I need you to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for me, that's uh, that's the the wonderful thing about Rosanna is that she's she's a hard ass for mm. sure. Mm-hmm. She she knows what she wants and she knows what she wants to create and she's got incredible vision. And I'm like so blessed to have had her as a mentor and to have her as a friend. Yeah. Um, because there's so many things that we just bounce off of each other and and create together that that is like magical. Mm. Yeah. Mm. She's, uh, it's also it's also wonderful because another person who I really consider a, a mentor and a friend is Dahlia Katz, mm-hmm. um, and it, they 
if Dahlia and Rosanna, I would put on the opposite of like the diametric scale of like mm-hmm. how they how they attack things. Mm-hmm. I would say that they're both like kick ass strong women that you would never want to meet in a dark alley because yeah. they'll oh, no. they will they will tear you to shreds. Um, but like in general of process, it's uh, to have those those two yeah. people and mm. and. Uh, and also, the thing that I really respect about them both is that they're, you know, uh, strong female creators mm-hmm. that don't ever apologize mm-hmm. for their mm-hmm. opinions or the stuff that they mm-hmm. create. They are brilliant, and they know they are brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that is so rare in theater makers, and especially rare in theater makers that aren't men. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. In, in Dahlia is one of those people that I keep meaning to have on. She's like mm-hmm. starting something like Solar Stage, Lunar Stage. Yeah, yeah uh, they just did. They just did a number by yeah. Carol Churchill. Yeah, yeah. It was incredible. Which is, oh, which is so exciting. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially when you've got like that space that they yeah. have up at the Witch. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew. Yeah. When did you start writing? Or did you just start writing for something wrong? Yeah, I don't consider myself a writer. Okay. I've, I've always tried to be a writer, mm-hmm. and I, I never have the follow-through. That was a big part of why I mm-hmm. wanted to make something wrong happen, because mm-hmm. I always have, you know, a first draft of something that I either didn't finish or can't be bothered to go back and edit, and it's just going to sit there forever. It was yeah, a half-baked yeah, yeah. idea, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a writer. I just happened to write a show. I disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> I disagree with you. Great. Although, I will say, and I think... At least, like this is the week for ha- for having specific conversations with people. Somebody uh, just the other day was sitting was sitting here and was saying, you know, uh, I'm almost an actor. And I was like, just hold on, hold on, because Neil Gaiman, mm. um, you know, he has his, his fabulous blog and he answers questions for people. And somebody says, like, when do I consider myself a writer? When can I call myself a writer? He was like, when you say you are. Yeah. I said the same. It's the same thing. But when can you say that you're an actor? When you say you are. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what you mean about 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 f- finishing things. Is I was working on the commandment for eight years, eight years, <laughs> eight years wow. before I finally said, "Look, the only way this is going to happen is if I get into a fringe somewhere and I give myself a deadline." Right, mm-hmm. and that was what it took. Mm-hmm. That was what it took. So, because I think I probably would still be writing it today. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you like, what kind of things were you writing before that? Before something wrong. Oh, I have so many embarrassing, awful things that I have started writing. Um, When I was in theater school, especially, I was heavily um, influenced by Antonin Artaud um, and tried to write some plays in that style. So I have a a lovely folder that I hope no one ever finds Mm. of... um, you know, 20-year-old Andrew trying to write Theater of Cruelty, which is a whole other kind of cruelty. Um, <laughs> if you really want to make sure nobody finds that, you're going to have to... You might want to burn that. Sometime. Yeah, I probably yeah, should. Yeah, and yet, it's sometimes hard to... I used I used to destroy things. Like, I would do, do my first draft, and I'd be like, nope, that sucks, and I'd get rid of it. And I so regret that oh, now. Oh, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though many of those things would be embarrassing to me now, it's still like there might be something in there mm-hmm. yeah. that I could salvage. Right. You know? Well, there was that fantastic show at the Halifax Fringe that was exactly mm. that. Eva yes, was this yeah, yeah. show that, you know, she found in a box that she wrote when she was nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made her friends yeah. perform it now, which was, yeah. and it was so funny because yeah. it was so 
just really something that a nine-year-old wrote. Well, that would be the thing, is it, 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 there would be a certain earnestness to yeah. it. Exactly. You can't yeah. manufacture as an adult. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, is, do, is Ghost Light Anthology something you guys would like to see happening yearly? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How did you find the the authors that you're that you're that you're presenting? So we put out a huge uh, call for submissions mm-hmm. in it was January, I think mid January, yeah. um, and we just distributed that as widely as possible. We put it up on every writer's Facebook group we could find. We put it out to horror sites specifically. Mm. Like we got a little spammy with it. Not gonna lie, like we put it out just to make sure everybody in the world could see this call yeah, for yeah. submissions, mm-hmm. um, and we got about. 350, I think, was yeah. our number wow. submissions. So, like, yeah. we got a lot of plays. It was a great response, more than we expected. And you guys yeah. didn't read those, like, just yourself? Just the you? two of us. Just really? two of us. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We, uh, to be fair, we didn't read uh, every single play ourselves. It wasn't like, I read 350, he read 350. No, okay. no. No, no. We had a system where we would read uh, plays, uh, and, like, for the first sort of, like, wave, it was, like, if, if it was possible to do this, it wasn't even, like, really necessarily focusing on quality or what we're trying to right, say. Right, right. Yeah. As long as it wasn't, like, reprehensible mm. or unbearably bad or yeah. completely just not what we asked yeah. for, right. um, uh, we would, like, mark it in, like, green, and then we would read whatever, whatever ones the other person marked as green. Right. So that way we culled a lot of the things mm-hmm. that just... Yeah work useful to us from the yeah. beginning right. and then and then it was a process of whittling that down and once we whittled that down we passed those scripts off to a few trusted people mm-hmm. and got their opinions and then curated the final mm-hmm. selection yeah. i think once we had it down to about 11 or 12 we mm-hmm. distributed them a little yeah. wider to get a second hmm. opinion on them which was yeah. so valuable oh yeah because at that point we've been <laughs> looking at like all of these plays for months like my eyes were like going square yeah well there's a certain yeah. point at which you're like you you lose perspective a oh bit. Yeah. yeah yeah for sure yeah. there's there's a part around like you know 270 where i was like i hate plays i hate yes. theater. <laughs> I, hate, I hate every single person who sent us anything yes. yeah although by that point the cream rises i think like it, it yeah. sort of turned into this like gray wash of static by mm-hmm. the end because like we got a lot of plays that were just solidly good for yeah. the most part. Like, yeah. they were fine. There wasn't anything wrong with them. They just weren't necessarily standout incredible. Yeah. But then both Laps and Sit Down Daisy came mm. in really mm. late in the process mm. and just shone like diamonds. Mm. It's like, yeah. this is what we're looking for. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because um, as you said that, I was thinking about being on the other side of the audition table as well. Mm. Right. Um, where after a day of auditions, it mostly becomes a wash. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of people who were okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you remember people who were really good. And you remember people who were really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the only thing you can keep track of at that point. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, yep. So at that point, you were giving it to other people and you got their feedback mm-hmm. and, and you, you whittled it down to, to a final five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a, 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 like, is there a particular theme that you find is, is rolling through mm-hmm. the anthology? There really is. It, it wasn't necessarily deliberate, at least on my end in the selection process. <laughs> it wasn't deliberate on Andrew's end. But, like, <laughs> yeah, I'll let you handle that one then. <laughs> I didn't realize until we did a full read through. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is me, Machiavellian, behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, no, they all have an aspect of, like, depersonalization to okay. them. Right. Yeah. Um, the concept of, like, losing yourself and Mm. losing your identity Mm. um i think that we are in a time in the world 
where a lot of us are being dehumanized mm-hmm. um, and depersonalized. And uh, I think the overlying theme for that is, is you know, the fates that are worse than death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Um, so, um, when, what, what, first off, where, where, where's being pretended? The box. Oh, mm. right. You yeah. mentioned that before. That's mm-hmm. the creepy little. Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, you have to go for like some kind of creepy murder. Alley. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Which yep. was yep. the point. Okay. Hundred yes. percent. Awesome. We're planning to have some fun with that too. Yeah, we okay. want it to be a fully immersive experience. Yeah. Like a large portion of like doing horror and doing horror theater mm. is that we've kind of like stopped ourselves from being like, oh, come see our play, yes. come see our theater. You know, like because the general public get real turned off by the T word. They're yes. like, oh no, boring. Yeah. I don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. And and billing it as like a live horror experience mm-hmm. because we want to undo the sort of like cultural contract of going to the theater. We're yeah, not, yeah. not going to do programs. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do like you come in and like there's like the music playing and right. you're like looking at the set and you want it to be. We want like from the second you get to that creepy murder alley for you to be invested in the experience of right. going through. And, and getting there and, and and that you don't have this like wall of like here we are now we're going to tell mm-hmm. you to mm-hmm. turn off your phones and oh by the way we stole this land like yes. you know yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Huh. um I guess that I mean the the whole, it's it's funny how the calling of the a live horror experience mm-hmm. um just a, a like which is what it is, but it's also theater. Mm-hmm. Um, lets you sort of like get away from what people are expecting. Yeah, I've often wanted to do like just to do like a sci-fi show and just put in three D <laughs> on it, just mm-hmm. because we are, of course, yes. you know. But because yeah. it's the things that that are the trappings of film uh-huh. that seem that I think draw people in a little. They're like, wait, wait, yeah. wait, what is that? What is that? Yeah. So, um, and again, we're talking about getting people out to see stuff away from the Netflix. It's experiences mm-hmm. that they need to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it opens on 18th, October 18th. October 18th. So mm-hmm. good Halloween timing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Close Excellent. on Halloween night. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And it's perfect. a Wednesday. So it's like, not like people got much to do. No, so it's true. Come awesome. on out on yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's great. Well, thank you so much. You guys have been awesome. Yeah. yeah thanks thank for having you us. for having us. This has been a Homebody Productions production.